Well, thank you all for coming. I hope you're feeling good. My name is Femi. I go to Jubilee Church in London. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all for that. So, yeah, and I'm really, really happy that you guys are here for the Real Life Seminar Series. Whether you're here just because your bedrooms came and you're just thinking, why not? Or you've really intentionally and deliberately turned up here I feel like God wants every single one of you in this tent. You're not here by accident. Do you hear what I'm saying? And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I'll explain a little bit about what the whole week is going to look like. And then we'll just get into it. And so, yeah, essentially, real life seminar series is we're going to deal with the situations, topics, and themes that are quote unquote real life. Because let's be honest, New Day is amazing, but it's not real life. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you have a Monday in September, you're not going to be waking up to get on a coach and go to a field. You're going to be waking up to take on your A-levels or GCSEs or something. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're not going to have an afternoon just filled with worship. You know when you're walking around the concourse and everyone is like super Christian and the whole vibe is Christian, you get fouled in football and the guy just says like, Jesus loves you. That's not real life. That's New Day life. Do you hear what I'm saying? The moment where you can just access your youth leader at any second and ask them for advice. Or the moments where you're constantly be told truth every second of the day. Truth, truth, truth. And you have an evening meeting and you meet with the Holy Spirit. That is New Day, but a lot of the times it's not actually real life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Who's ever been to a New Day, got home and it's just like, oh my days. It feels like Jesus has just disappeared all of a sudden. Have you ever experienced that? Because I know I have. And if it's not, I always call it like the New Day boost, where you're like super Christian in August, and you're still kind of holding on that super Christian vibe in like September, because it's like new, new term, new me, do you know what I'm saying? But then by October, it starts to get techie. And then Halloween's around the corner and it's the first kind of like, oh. And then before you know it, you're just falling off and falling off. And then you have another boost in January because you're like, no, new year, new me again. And then like February. And then before you know it, you get to like exam period about May. And you, it's almost like Jesus disappears. And all the stress and all the toughness of your life just re-enters. And then you sign up to New Day and then you have your August Christian boost again. And sometimes that can be a little bit of a cycle. I know it's a cycle that I found myself in when I was your age attending New Day. But this is the thing. Jesus is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. We don't serve a New Day Jesus. We serve an everyday Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying, family? And when it's like Jesus is always with you, he's always with you. So the question really and truly is, how do I keep this New Day energy when I return to real life? That is what this seminar series is about. And we're essentially going to bring up some real life topics and talk about ways in which we deal with them throughout our lives, yeah? And there's going to be four sessions. And the first one it is a real honor because this is my, he's not actually my brother, but do you know when you become brothers kind of thing? Do you know what I'm saying? Anyone got a brother? That's not the same parents, but it's like, it's my brother. This is my brother, do you know what I'm saying? I remember it was that, who's ever had that situation where you get to New Day and they just put you in a tent with some random person, fam? Yeah, Toby was the random person and then we ended up becoming best friends. But I'll let him tell you a little bit more about himself. So New Day, can we make some noise for man like Toby? (laughs) 
don't know what kind of music that was, but uh, safe, man. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, so my name is Toby. Um, thank you. I'm I'm 28 years old. <laughs> you guys actually should be there. You need to go to the back. I can't actually. Um, I've been a Christian for about 11 years, maybe 12. You know how it gets like when you come New Day and you're like, oh, I, just, I just feel like things ain't been going right. And then they do the altar call and then you go to the front and then like you go home and then you lie and you're like, oh, God, you're all cool again. <laughs> so, so the next year you come back again and you do the altar call and then you go back home again and then you like cheat or you still and you're like, oh, I got to get saved again. <laughs> so the next year you come back again and again and again so I don't even know what year I really got saved it was some point 2009 10 11 anyway yeah I've been a Christian for a while now and life with God is different it's it's different every day every month every week God reveals himself to you more and more the more you press into him um so yeah life as a Christian has been it's not easy um but it's good it's rewarding um, I'm also married. I've been married. Wow. Guys, rate Catherine more than me. My wife is over there. Her name is Catherine. I've been married for about a year and nine months. And um, marriage is really, really, it's really, really good. It's really good, but this is the real life series. So I'm not going to lie. It's really, really difficult. Not because of the other person, because you realize how not cool you are as a person because of. The other person. So I'll give you one example. Catherine just asked me one day. She was like, why do you never put anything in the bin? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, of course I put stuff, <laughs> of course I put stuff in the bin. And she was like, okay, whatever. So I went into the kitchen. Who here likes Supermalt? Who's booing? Are you going in? <laughs> <laughs> so I went I went into the I went into the kitchen to get a supermort. I like opened it with the like the bottle opener and I had the lid in my hand and I was I looked to the bin and I was like and I looked at the microwave and I was oh, put in the microwave and I, I promise you I turned around and Catherine was actually looking at me and I was like ah oh, yeah there's a problem here that like, um I'm, I'm actually not alright. Um but yeah, so she helps me to be a better person every day. And I pray for each and every one of you that you find someone who helps you to be a better person every day as well. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, I go to Jubilee Church London. <laughs> I serve there on the worship team and I also help lead the worship team. Um, and then outside of that, I'm also a musician as well. So... I've had the privilege and the honor of playing like all over the world. Like a few months ago, I was in Australia and we went to like all of the different countries. We went to Perth, we went to Brisbane, we went to Sydney, we went to Melbourne, we went to Adelaide. And then there was just a moment like I was just with one of my friends and I was like, you know what? We've actually played on every continent in the world. Like we've actually played everywhere. And there's not a single moment that I take it for granted and there is not a single moment 
where I don't recognize that the only reason I've done that is because of Jesus. It's not because of anything I've done. I don't deserve, I haven't earned any of the things I have. The only reason I have anything I have is because of him. Do you get what I mean? And this isn't something I'm saying to just sound cute. This isn't something I'm saying to like, oh, like it's a buzz, like a buzz phrase or whatever. This is just what we say as Christians. I hate all of that stuff because I just, it just grates on me. I just want the real thing. I, I want to say things I mean. I, when, I, when I say I love you, Jesus, I want to mean it. And I owe everything I have to him. Nothing I have is because I've earned it. It's all because of his grace and his goodness. Um, so yeah, I'm in a band called Kokoroko. We do Afrobeat, jazz, soul kind of stuff. We've played everywhere. Um, but yeah, again, that's another testimony I'll, I'll talk about a bit later on. But yeah, everything I have, I recognize none of it is me. I, yeah, I work fairly hard. Not that hard, like I do my thing. But everything I have is by the grace of God. And I think it's just something that I always try to keep at the forefront of my mind like yeah we work hard we partner with god but it's only because of him it's not because of anything we do um but yeah i've been a christian for 11 years um and sometimes things are good sometimes things are bad um sometimes you're reading your bible and it's like the words are jumping off the page it's like you get a revelation every time you open the book other times it's not like that other time other times you read and you're like you question whether you actually understand English because the words just aren't making sense. You have people like Paul. Paul's like, to be weak, you have to be, like, to be strong, you have to be weak. And then to be weak, you have to be strong. And then in strength, there's weakness. And in weakness, there's strength. And he's saying all these things. I'm like, I don't know what any of that means. Do you get what I mean? Has anyone else, has anyone else experienced that? We are reading stuff and you don't really understand what's being said right? Are we going to be honest with ourselves today? Yeah? Cool. All right. Um, so you have those times where you just don't really get what's happening. You're not, nothing's making sense. You have other times where, you know, your relationships are good. School is good. Family life is good. Everything is good. Things are just working, right? And then you have other times when it's like, okay, things just aren't working. Like when I'm in worship, I don't feel anything. When I'm reading my Bible, I'm not getting anything. When, like, relationships at home aren't good. My family life is a bit weird. I don't really have a strong sense of direction. I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know whether I want to do music or whether I want to do arts. Or I don't really know. It feels like everyone else knows what they're doing. But for me, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm just wandering. And I feel lost. And it's just difficult, Right? It gets like that for us, but in those moments, you have to ask yourself, what do I actually believe in? What do I believe? Do I believe what the Bible says? Do I believe what the Word says? Do you guys believe what the Bible says? <laughs> I think it's good. It's good to say, yeah, but really it's a rhetorical question i want this to be something you guys think about as i'm talking and also throughout the week because i know it's good to say yeah to that kind of stuff and this is what we're taught and it's a good thing but i think sometimes we miss out on the things god wants to do in our lives because we're, we're just programmed to just go along sometimes 
And sometimes you can't just go along. You have to question things. You have to fight to understand like Jacob wrestled with God. Sometimes you have to wrestle with God to work out what, what's going on, what am I going through. Does that make sense? Cool. One scripture I want to read out from the top. James 1, 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let that steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James 1, 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. When things are difficult at home, when you feel lost, when you're not sure where you're going, whether you're looking left, you, you just don't know. Count all of it as joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The testing of your faith makes you strong. You can't have strong faith if it's never been tested. Do you guys get what I'm saying? You need, your faith has to be tested for you to be strong. To mature as a, Christ, as a Christian, you have, you have to be tested. That's what this verse is saying. Temptations, trials, and suffering are meant to draw us closer to God. This is the purpose of them. So today, we're talking about drifting and drifting, feeling like I'm far from God, feeling like, you know what, I don't know whether, like, I'm, I feel like, I, I don't know whether I'm hot or I'm cold, like, I, I feel like I'm just drifting and I don't really know what's going on. And I'm here to say that it's, it's okay because it's normal. You're a human being, you're allowed to make mistakes. If you never make mistakes, you will never learn from them. If your faith is never tested, you will never grow. Does that make sense? Cool. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. I'm going to read a bit of it for you. It says, this is Paul speaking. He says, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with not having the greatest social standing. I am content with maybe looking like a fool because I proclaim the name of Jesus. I am content with these things. I'm content with persecution, with people persecuting me for what I believe in. Does this make sense to you guys? This is what we're called to this is what we're called to be. We're called to be people who are content with these things that come against us for the sake of Jesus Christ. And so yeah, again, temptations, trials and sufferings are meant to draw us closer. The only time you can really be strong is when you're weak, because when you're weak, that's when God says, I will be your strength. Does that make sense? Yeah? So I guess um, I'll talk about a little bit of um, my experience with this personally because I think scripture is incredible, but you just need sometimes someone who's actually been through it and has experienced it to help bring context to some of this stuff. So um, there was a point in my life when I went through like a, a loss, a loss of someone and and it really rocked me. It it really hit me hard. And it it actually broke me as a person, like, completely. I, I didn't know my left from my right. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to deal with it. And 
it was so bad I basically like cried myself to sleep like three nights in a row like I was alone in my room and I would just cry and that was really when I discovered um, worship music Um, I can't remember what song it was but there was a song that I would just play on repeat and when I would listen to the song I wasn't like worshipping in my bed I wasn't in my room like worshipping but when I would listen to the song it would wash over me and something started to happen something started to change and that was when God began to meet with me like for the first time like away from the corporate gathering away from when we're in worshipping in that tent or even in your churches on Sundays it was like okay this is like personal this is like me and him this isn't me living through someone else's experience or through a corporate this is like for the first time this is me and him and in that my character and everything was completely changed like maybe for like a year or two after that I couldn't sleep without listening to worship music and it taught me how to fight that's what it taught me that was that's how I fought I fought by listening to worship and then in that learning how to worship like really learning how to worship because there are some things there are some depths with God that you can't go you can't go without going through something that's tough that's difficult does that make sense to you guys so that was my experience and what I did was like you know I was like I just need to I need to worship I need to be close to him because I know that in him there is peace, in him there is safety, in him there is security, in him I have rest. I can't get that anywhere else. No one else, no one else can give me that kind of comfort. Does that make sense? Cool. So for me, um, I had to go through crisis before I got to a place where I recognized how to fight and how to deal with all this stuff. But for you guys, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to wait until you're in a crisis or until you're drifting to learn how to fight. You can learn how to fight now. This is how you fight. You fight by living a lifestyle of worship. If you want to take notes, now would be a good time to just write it down. You fight by living a lifestyle of worship. So what is a lifestyle of worship? A lifestyle of worship is a lifestyle of intimacy with Jesus. And I'm going to give you a definition for intimacy. Intimacy is not just sex. It's, it's a lot more than that. Intimacy in a relationship is a feeling of being close and emotionally connected and supported. It means being able to share the full range of thoughts, feelings and experiences that we have as human beings. So I'm going to read that one more time just in case you want to write it. Intimacy in a relationship is a feeling of being close and emotionally connected and supported. And this is the most important part. It means being able to share the full range of your thoughts, your feelings, and your experiences that you have as human beings. A lifestyle of worship is a lifestyle of intimacy with Jesus. So I guess this is probably something you might have heard before, but how do you actually, how do you actually be intimate with jesus and um, this is going to be the first point for today so you guys can write this down as well this is probably the most important thing learn how to be honest with yourself so that you can be honest with jesus and really with this i guess the thought i had is how can i be honest with god if i can't be honest with myself do you guys know what I mean? 
do you know how to be honest with yourself? Like, is that... Because I, I don't want to take it for granted that maybe it's just something I think about, but do people... Do you know how to be honest with yourself? Do you know how you really feel about something or what you really think? Do you really believe every word that's written in the Bible? And we can be honest in this moment because if we're not, the whole thing is in vain anyway. Do you believe what it says when Jesus says, ask and you'll receive? When he says, seek and you will find? When he says, knock and the door will be opened? Do you really believe that? Does anyone, like... Do you get what I mean? Like, you just have to sometimes sit and think, do I really believe this? Do I really believe what what, what this is? Because there have been times in my life where I feel as though I've done that and I, I haven't gotten a clear answer. There hasn't been a voice that's come down and told me this is what you have to do. Do you get what I mean? So for me, there's been times when I've been like, wait a second, like... I'm asking for these things, but I don't feel like I'm getting them. And I, and I feel like I'm seeking, but I'm not finding him. So, like, where does that leave you? You have to then ask yourself, okay, is, is, is this real? Do I believe in it? And, and this is what I want to talk about for a little bit. Being honest with yourself looks like there are going to be times when I don't want to pray. I don't want to worship. I don't want to... I don't want to be in a, I don't want to do any of these things. I just, I just feel like I just need to be somewhere else. And it might feel controversial, but for me, I think that's okay because you're a human being. You're not perfect. The times like this are going to come. What matters though is how you deal with it. So when you pray, what do you pray? What do you say to God? For me, what it looks like is I say, Lord, right now, I don't want to, worship i don't want to pray i don't want to do any of these things but i know that i want to want to does that make sense that's what my prayer looks like i say lord i don't really want to do this but would you just give me a heart that that longs for you the way i the way i want to the way maybe my friends might the way maybe my pastor might or my parents i want to want that so lord would you just give me that heart would you just teach me Lord, would you renew my heart? Renew, give me a right spirit within me. Do you get what I mean? This is how you pray. This is how you fight. Fighting doesn't always look like just, sometimes it does, just sitting down and maybe just speaking in tongues or, I don't know, maybe feeling like you have to worship. These are all good things, but sometimes, sometimes all you can do is say, I don't have anything left. God, would you just do something for me? Would you do something in me? Does that make sense? Psalm 103 one says bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name this is david this is a this is a great example of what fighting looks like sometimes sometimes you need to learn to command your soul to bless his name it's not about how you're feeling in that moment it's not about what circumstances are around you you have to learn to command your soul in this moment I am going to worship, not because I want to, not because I feel like it, but there is a truth that I believe in. And that's why I kept saying, do you believe in it? Do you believe in what the Bible says? Do you believe in what these, do you believe? Do you guys, are you guys with me? Yeah. Yeah? Do you believe in what it says? Because if you do, there are some things that you just have to do. You can't wait until you feel like it. 
you can't live your life based on your feelings and your emotions because your feelings and your emotions, as I'm sure you will all know, are all over the place. One minute you're hot, next minute you're cold. One minute you're happy, next minute you're sad. This is real life. It's not like the cookie-cutter Christian lifestyle that maybe some people like put out there. This is real life. It's hard. It's not easy. And I don't want you guys to leave here thinking that, you know, you're just going to be able to live off the New Day high for the next six, because we've all done that. We've all been there, and it's it doesn't work like that. Like Femi said, you get to Halloween, and then things start to just go downhill. You need to have a lifestyle of worship that sustains you through all of these things. So you don't come to New Day for a boost. You come to New Day and it's you're just giving thanks to God for how he sustained you through the year. Do you, do you guys get what I'm saying? Yeah? All right. So another example from the Psalms is, is um, Psalm 13. This is when David is praying. He says, how long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I be depressed? How long will I be anxious? How long will I be scared? How long will I be afraid? How long am I going to be living in this state of just, I feel like I'm in a cycle. I feel like I keep falling to temptation. I feel like I keep falling to sin. I feel like I just keep making the same mistakes over and over again. How long Oh Lord, are you going to forget me forever? Are you going to leave me here? How long am I going to be stuck? This is, this is David's prayer. He's saying, how long? How long? How long? He says, how long will you hide your face from me? How long am I going to be in worship and not feel anything? How long am I going to be reading my Bible and feel like I'm not getting revelation? I'm not getting what I want. How long am I going to be feeling like this? The thing that is special about David, though, is that he understood that there was there's a truth there's a truth as objective i know these days we all have our own truths and stuff like that but there is a truth and at the end of that psalm he ends it by saying but i have trusted in your steadfast love my heart shall rejoice in your salvation i will sing to the lord because he has dealt bountifully with me do you guys see what's happening here he starts off by being honest He's like, this is where I'm at. I'm struggling. I'm not doing well. This is, this, is, this is my reality. But he ends by saying, no, I will sing because you have dealt bountifully with me. What does that mean? What is he saying? He's saying, I've seen your goodness. I've seen what you can do. I've seen the things you've done in my life. I, look at where I'm here. You guys are here. You guys are, you guys are alive. You guys are healthy. You guys are well. These are things to be grateful for. Because there are people who, aren't, who haven't made it this far. And we all probably know people who haven't. We have to be grateful. And this is what David is doing here. He's saying, you've dealt well with me. I may not have everything I need. I may not have all of these different things that maybe other people have. But I'm alive and I'm well and I'm here. And so because of that, I'm going to sing onto your name. Does that make sense? This is, our, this is the posture that we have to have. And for me, this is, this is what I've learned to do learn to just surrender everything and just be grateful for everything I have because I know that life is like that and it's over. So I want to make sure throughout my life I'm not lukewarm. I don't want to be in this middle place anymore. I want to just be strong. I want to just go for it. I want to be on fire for God. And being on fire for God doesn't look like always being on top of the world. Does that make sense?
This is how we pray. Matthew 6, 7 says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. You're going to be heard for your heart. You're not going to be heard for the, the fancy words you learned. Some of us be saying stuff like, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Rapha, Adonai. Do we really know what we're saying when we say this stuff? Do you get what I mean? You're not going to be heard for the words that you learned from when your mum was praying for you or when your dad was praying for you. You're not going to be heard from the words that when your pastor was praying for you or when this person, you're going to be heard for your heart. God is not interested in the fancy things. He's not interested in the words and the phrases and the one lines. He is interested in your heart. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? It means when you pray, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be long. <laughs> There's so much pressure because I know when you go to a prayer meeting, people will be praying for hours. Like they, We used to do one like half night of prayer. How long did it last? It was like till... Till like till morning, like one a.m. or two a.m. and I just I just couldn't do that. But what you gotta understand is these people that are able to do this stuff have a vast history of God. They have a history, like when David's saying, "You have dealt bountifully with me." They have a history of God where they're pulling on that history as they're praying. As you grow, as you get older, as you become more mature as a Christ- Christian, you will have that history, and you will naturally be able to pray for longer. Do you guys get what I'm saying? But for now, just know that you're going to be heard for your heart. You don't have to pray complicated, long prayers. Just pray from your heart and he will hear you. Does that make sense? Cool. All right. So, number one, be honest with yourself so you can be honest with Jesus. Number two, surrender to the process. Surrender to the process. Let the process refine you into a mature Christian. The process of recognizing your weakness and your dependency on God's grace, that is the thing that is going to sustain you. That is the thing that's going to mature you. He is the only one who can change you and sustain you. He is the only one. I'm so glad um, last night Simon Braden talked a bit about this. He talked a bit about the law and living for religion and living for like laws. And it's like the law never saved anyone. Jesus is the only one who saved anyone. So we have to learn to look to him. Do you get what I mean? Don't be focused on the things that they tell you not to do. And this is what Paul is, um, the scripture we were talking about earlier, 2 Corinthians, when he's saying, in your weakness, God will make you strong. Don't look to the law and think, oh, I can't live up to that. No, look to Jesus and he will make you strong because you can't do it on your own. If you could do it on your own, there would be no need for Jesus. He wouldn't have had to die. Do you guys get what I'm saying? He wouldn't have had to die. He wouldn't have had to pay the ultimate cost. He wouldn't have had to sacrifice himself for you if you could do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. You just can't. You need Jesus and you need the real thing. You need intimacy with Jesus. You need to be at his feet. You need to worship. You need to... Scripture says, go find a room, close the door, pray where no one else hears you, where your heavenly father hears you in secret. That's what you need. You need a relationship, and that's how you build a relationship. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, God's grace will mature you as you realize that he is the only one who can change you and sustain you. So surrender to the process. Embrace life's hits, life's challenges, but don't embrace it just 
embrace embrace it with Jesus, knowing and trusting in the truth in what he says in the scripture. When he says, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. What does that mean? It means if you're in your word, if you spend time with me, I will spend time with you. I will be with you. I'll make you strong. Do you guys get what I'm saying? This is how you fight. Um, Psalm 51 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. If you're ever stuck about how to pray, just look to the Psalms because it's full of examples of how David and other people prayed. He's saying here, create in me a clean heart. This is, this is what our light, this is what prayer should look like for us every day. Whenever we're struggling, whenever we feel like we're far, whenever we're, we're struggling with sin, temptation, all these kinds of things, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Lord, I want to worship you, but I don't want to worship you. So Lord, help me want to want to worship you. Help me want to want to be with you. Help me want to want to seek you. Do you guys get what I mean? When he says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you will knock, you have to believe that. You have to. There's no other way to live. If you, you have to trust in Jesus' words. He said, ask and you'll, you, you'll receive. Seek and you will find. So seek him and you will find him. Seek him wholeheartedly, but seek him honestly. Don't come with lies and with um, bravado and trying to... He, he knows. He knows you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows you intimately. And he is waiting for you to approach him with, with the same hunger and the same thirst to know him. That's all. That's all you have to do. So you have step one, which is be honest with yourself. And honestly, this is the most, if there's anything you guys take away from today, is learn to be honest with yourself about how you feel. Be honest with yourself about the things you're going through because Jesus can handle it. He can handle it. He can handle anything. There is nothing he can't handle. But just confess it to him. Say, Lord, I'm not in a good place right now. I need you. That's all. It can, it can be as simple as that. You don't have to do a long prayer that's going to shake the heavens. That is going to shake the heavens. Him hearing your heart is going to shake the heavens. Do you get what I mean? So number one, be honest with yourself so you can be honest with Jesus. Number two, surrender to the process. And number three, stay close to Jesus. How do I stay close? Staying close is, is pretty simple. You, you read your Bible, you pray, and you worship. For me, staying close looks like sacrifice. It looks like waking up early in the morning, some 6 a.m., 6.30, sometimes 7. I carve out time. I, I put on some worship music, and I read my Bible. It's, it's, not, it's really simple, man. You just have to do it with an honest heart and really wanting to seek him. Sometimes when I'm not in the mood to worship, I'll just get out my book and I'll just journal and I'll literally just write down thoughts I have. And I'm not writing down thoughts to impress God. I'm writing down thoughts and I'm being honest with God. I'm like, God, I feel like you're distant. I feel like, I feel like I'm not hearing from you the way I want to. I feel like things are not going the way I want to, but I want to trust you. So Lord, would you give me a spirit and a heart that is willing and capable and wants to trust you? Lord, would you help me with this? I know that I'm not capable of it on my own, but I know that you can do all things. I know that you can do all things. So I'm asking you right now to help me. Give me a heart 
that is tender, that is soft, that is able to hear your voice. This is what it looks like to to pray. This is what it looks like to battle. This is what it looks like to fight. This is what it looks like to stay close to Jesus. So you have journaling. There's sometimes, and I, for me, because I'm a musician, I'm a guitarist, I sometimes just play. And I don't necessarily play worship songs. I play because I know that everything I play, whether or not I'm playing in worship or outside, it can be played onto God. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Everything you do, whether you're doing it in the church context or not, it is up to you and your intention and the way you see your life and your gift. And it's a part of evangelism as well. Everything can be onto him. A perfect example is Femi. You guys will know he's an Ezra Collective. They just did an incredible Glastonbury set. Whenever I'm, I go to their gigs, the thing people always say is there is just a sense of joy. There is a sense of lightness. There is a sense of, I just feel like I can be who, who, who I'm meant to be. I feel light. I feel free. I feel happy. This is what it looks like to go out into the world and to be an evangelist, to bring what we have in our churches out to people because people are hungry. People need it. And you have to work out what that looks like for you with what you do. You might be an artist, a painter. I don't know. You, you could be a mathematician. I don't know. There is a way that God wants to move in all of your lives. But you just have to learn first, surrender it all to him, be honest with him, stay close to him, and let him work those things out in, in your life. Do you get what I'm saying? Cool. All right. Staying close. It's difficult because it requires sacrifice. A sacrifice of time, a sacrifice of convenience, a sacrifice of pride, sometimes a sacrifice of social standing, a sacrifice of some of the things that we love the most. Worship is not worship unless there is a sacrifice involved in it. Sacrifice is just a part of the life as a Christian. So we have to learn to be people who are willing to let our worship cost us something. I know it can be difficult when you go into the big top tent and it's like, Sometimes there's new songs, there's like people around, I don't really know them, I don't really know what's going on. But you just have to learn to focus on God in those times. And like, look, I know that worship has to cost me something because it costs Abraham. When Abraham went up to the mountain to worship with Isaac, his worship was sacrificing Isaac. There's a cost attached to it. So what, what is the cost that you have to pay in worship. Sometimes it might be there are people around me that aren't worshipping, but because I know the truth of who Jesus is, I'm going to raise my hands and worship. I'm going to sing out and worship. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Don't let worship cost you nothing because it didn't cost Jesus. It did cost him something. Um, so yeah, uh, those are the three points. Um, be honest with yourself so you can be honest with Jesus. Surrender to the process and stay close to Jesus. Um, Jesus demands our whole lives. He demands everything. Just like with Abraham and Isaac. Isaac was, Abraham was prepared to give everything. His son, the son that he had been waiting for for so long. It's the same for us. You can't follow Jesus half-heartedly. You can't be calm, kind of in the middle. You're either hot or you're cold. That is how God sees it. And so I hope that some of the stuff I've shared today will just help you to, to stay hot. Really, the essence of what I've shared is chase after Jesus and be honest with yourself as you do it. Seek him in the morning. Let there be a sacrifice. Wake up half an hour earlier. Read your Bible. Pray. Speak to him. It's not always going to be an audible voice you, you hear coming back, but this is, this, is, this is what our faith is. 
this is what faith is this is what we hope and believe in so if you're gonna do it you might as well just go all the way does that make sense thank you can you make some noise for toby thank you for sharing that with us honestly and also thank you so much Hands up if you could relate to parts of what he was talking about just then. Yeah, because I know, just so great, even though I know you so well, I really, really felt like I learned a different side to you. I'm sure a lot of people could relate to losing something close to you, but sometimes we didn't, a lot of us didn't find that place of worship. And I know for me, I can relate. I think my favorite thing that you said was that prayer when he said, Lord, help me want to want you more. That's so real. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because hands up if you felt like that and just ignored the moment to pray and thought, I'm just not going to pray because I'm not on it. Do you hear what I'm saying? But actually being real with God about that, that's deep, deeper levels of worship. Because I'm sure I'm not the only person that struggles with worship as a lifestyle and struggles with worship. You know, I'm hearing the songs, I'm agreeing with the lyrics, but it's not lashing me the way it should. But a lot of that comes down to being honest and open with your heart and God will speak to you and God will be real with you. Do you hear what I'm saying, family? So one more time, thank you so much, Toby. So just to move on, we're going to wrap it up soon, but it really, really was on our heart with this seminar series that I don't want us to go home from New Day with open-ended situations, whether it is something that you needed prayer about and you didn't get the prayer or something, a question that you had, but you didn't quite get it or something that was said and you didn't quite understand it. Do you hear what I'm saying? So right now, and it doesn't matter if none of you have a single question, but I do want to give you the opportunity. If you have a question about worship and worship as a lifestyle, we've got about five, 10 minutes where the floor is open there's no such thing as a bad question. If I don't like the question, I'll just say, I'll, t- I'll tell you later. Do you know what I'm saying? But do any of you have a question when it comes to worship and worship as a lifestyle? The floor is yours. Just put your hand up and shout. I just want to make sure no one leaves here confused about anything. Yeah, go for it. You're going to have to shout because you're right at the back. Wow. <laughs> Let's talk about that later. No, I'm not joking. <laughs> Why is worship hard to listen to around people that aren't Christians? I think the answer to that really and truly is the truth can be quite uncomfortable for people. Real truth is uncomfortable. You ever told someone about themselves and it ruins the vibe for the whole conversation? I think when you hear someone say, you know, how great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God, If you don't know that for yourself and you hear those lyrics, it becomes uncomfortable. That feeling of discomfort rubs up on us because we know we're hearing truth and we know they don't realize they're hearing truth. That is the foundation of why it can feel uncomfortable sometimes. And the answer to that is you don't hide truth. You let truth ring out. I'm not saying you have to exclusively listen to worship music. You know, it'd be awkward if you play hill songs and everyone's trying to turn up in your house party. Do you know what I'm saying? But we thank God they're starting to get a couple, there's a couple Christian tunes that are kind of acceptable now. Do you know what I mean? But whatever. When Jesus say yes, you can get that in. But 
generally speaking, that's the feeling of discomfort. It's truth can be hard for someone to, to take on. And I think sometimes that rubs up, on, rubs up on us. But the Bible talks about that. When it says you'll be persecuted, that's because people are going to hear truth and feel uncomfortable. So I hope that kind of answers a little bit of that feeling. But just as Christians, we just have to plow through. Do you hear what I'm saying? Any other worship-centered questions, thoughts, or things that you might have in your mind? Yeah, so essentially the questions, it's really quite easy to worship when there's 9,000 other young people all worshiping at the same time. Hands up if your church is not 9,000 young people. Yeah, we can all kind of relate. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like there's such a real atmosphere. It's so wavy when we're at New Day. How do we take that energy when it's not the same? I think it goes straight into when Toby was talking about being honest. I think we have to be honest here. Like I said, New Day is not real life. Real life happens at New Day, but it's not reality. My church doesn't look like this. Do you hear what I'm saying? Not until Easter Sunday anyway. But it doesn't look like this. But at the same time, if I'm real about that at New Day, then it becomes even realer when I'm not at New Day. And it's like, yeah, New Day was a week in August. Right now I'm surrounded by just two aunties and my dad. It's a little bit different. But let me tell you the realest thing right now is that the same Jesus that spoke to me at New Day is the same Jesus in my yard right now. Do you hear what I'm saying? And when, you, when you're honest about that, it is the same Jesus, then it means whether the worship leader is playing your favorite tune or whether they're playing a tune that you just can't get into at all, whether the worship is rocking and pumping and everything's going really well, or whether it is just you on your, in your room on your own, it's the same Jesus. You're honest about those moments. And that, for me, is how you carry this forever. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's when it becomes a lifestyle. And I loved how much you focused on the word honesty, being honest with yourself. I'm good at lying to myself. It's no surprise. Our whole life is a lie. That's literally why leasing cars exists. It's a car you can't afford. I know, I'll just pay monthly. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not a bad thing. Don't worry. It's not a bad thing at all. But a lot of these things is just our way of presenting something that's not true. Instagram is a lie. The whole thing. I'm not going to post myself looking clapped and tired. Why would I do that? I want to put my best foot forward. Do you hear what I'm saying? We get so used to lying to ourselves, it's no surprise that we lie about how we feel when we're speaking to Jesus. But if we can strip that away, then we'll be honest in those moments and you honestly realize, actually, this is King Jesus that I'm worshiping right now. I don't need 9,000 people because he's here right here with me. Hope that makes some sense. I'll take like one more and then we'll we'll keep RK2 more. Cool, cool. You go for it. Yeah. Is there a right way to worship and is there a wrong way to worship? I think the wrong way to worship is when it's dishonest, whatever that looks like to you. Whatever dishonesty in worship looks like to you, if you're doing that, it's wrong. If you're feeling really down, but you decide to stamp and clap because your bedrooms around you are doing that, that's not the right way to worship. If you're feeling really, really up, but your friends are not on the same vibe, and so you decide to kill your vibe to match them, that's not the right way to worship. The right way to worship is when you're open and you're honest. When your heart is saying, Jesus Christ, this is how I feel, but at the end of the day, blessed be your name regardless. That's the right way to worship. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
And so, you know, right now I'm feeling quite great. Things are going well. That's why worshiping New Day is so rocking because we're being honest. I really like New Day, if I'm being honest. And that's why it's so easy. But if I try and take this New Day energy into two weeks' time when my whole world is different and I'm starting to be dishonest because it's like, no, nah, but this is how I was jumping in the big tops. So I'm going to jump like this in small group. That's being dishonest immediately. You look like when the Bible talks about the Gentiles that are becoming performative. That is the wrong way to worship. So I would just say you need to be honest. And sometimes you might have a youth leader look at your honesty and interpret incorrectly and be like, why are you not you know, raising your hands or putting everything into it? And really and truly, Jesus isn't saying that because he can see the heart. Do you hear what I'm saying? Man looks on the outside, but Jesus looks at your heart. And when Jesus can see your heart and your heart is honest, we're all good. And that's the right way to worship. Okay, one more question and we'll, we'll get on with it. How do you take the worship that you're doing in New Day into real life? That's a perfect question for me to end it with. Because New Day, real life, the one consistent is who? The one constant is who? Jesus is all you guys have. It's all I have. Everything else can disappear, but the, disappear. But the only thing I have is Jesus. When you leave New Day, Simon Braden's not going to be there to preach to you. Toby's not going to be there to talk to you. Your youth leader's not going to be there every morning with you. The only thing you have is Jesus. So if you can be honest and meet Jesus for real, for yourself, then before you know it, New Day actually becomes irrelevant because all I need is Jesus Christ. Whether they cancel New Day, maybe this is the last ever New Day, I don't know. Maybe we're going to have 18 more New Days, I don't know. But what I do know is Jesus is going to be with me, whatever happens. And everybody said? Amen. Amen.